Well, I'm excited to be here with you guys. I'm going to be sharing uh, the last message in a series that we've been in the past couple of weeks. It's called Family Vibes. And we've spent several weeks together just talking about how the church family is really just that, a family. And Pastor Danae opened up the series talking about the love of God's house. And Pastor James continued to share about how life is better when we grow together in groups and how our lives are changed. And I loved his points. I wrote them down. It says that our lives are changed by authentic acceptance, a common bond, and genuine love for one another. Isn't that awesome? Pastor Jonathan shared a powerful message last week, powerful about how when we give to God's house, like we just talked about, we're showing God's love to the world. And he truly challenged us. I don't know about you, I was challenged last week to truly take inventory. God, where am I spending my time? Where am I spending my focus? Where am I spending my money? What, what am I investing my heart in? And tonight I get to share that a church family that worships together stays together. It would be the worship pastor that gets to share that a church family that worships together stays together. And you may have seen something similar to this phrase on frilly Instagram posts or on Facebook. Or you see the picture perfect family with their matching shirts and it says, a family that plays together stays together. Or you see all the baseball moms together and it's a baseball family stays together. Whatever it may be. But today I want to dive into the thought that a church family that worships together stays together. But more importantly, I want to share the why. I want to share why we come together and why when we worship as one voice, as one family, why that matters, why that makes a difference. But first, if you could, I, I do want to pray. I want to invite the Holy Spirit to have his way during this time. Lord, thank you for today. Thank you, Jesus, that you demonstrated the power of community, that you had a group of people that you did life with, that you showed us, that you modeled to us what a church family looks like. And today I'm so thankful that we have a place, that we have a group of people that we can call our church family, that we can grow together, that we can celebrate life's triumphs together, that we can come together to expand the kingdom through generosity. And Father, like tonight we'll talk about, we can come together and as one voice worship the one name that matters, and it's you, Jesus. Have your way in this place. Amen. If you have your Bible, I want you to turn to Acts chapter 2, verse 44, and then we're going to pick up in 46 and 7. If you want and you have the Westover app, you can follow along there. It says this, all the believers were together and had everything in common. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts, praising God and enjoying the favor of the Lord. And the first thing when I read this passage of scriptures, it, it jumped off the page, is that one, worship brings us together. It simply provides an opportunity for us to come together. Verse 46 says this, all the believers were together and they continued meeting together in the temple courts. Like some of you know, my husband David and I had the opportunity to go to Israel this past March of this year and it was incredible. It was amazing and I use that term a lot and it really doesn't do it justice. But we had 12 days touring the sites and seeing things that I had only read about in my Bible and experiencing and walking the roads that they walked in the Bible and truly seeing the stories that I've grown up hearing come to life. And, and I remember one day we were in Jerusalem and we had an opportunity to go see what's left of Herod's temple. 
And this is where you find the Western Wall or what some would call the Wailing Ball. It was a surreal experience to be in a location that holds so much value, so much significance, that this is the place that is revered above all for so many throughout the entire world. It was amazing. And we took a tour, and at the end, we had a, a moment where we could walk up and we can place our hands on the same spots that hundreds of thousands, hundreds of thousands had gone before us. And, and you have a moment, you can write a prayer, and you can stuff it into the cracks and the crevices, and have a moment where we could just have a personal time of prayer in that quiet space. And to say that it was a, a life-changing and once-in-a-lifetime experience, even that doesn't do it justice. And I remember later as we were going through Jerusalem and we were continuing our tours, we went around to the other side of what's left, and we got to climb the southern steps. And these are the original southern steps that are leading up to the temple. And these are the exact steps that Jesus climbed when Mary and Joseph took him to the temple and presented him to the Lord. You read about that in, in Luke 2. And I know that these are the exact same steps that Jesus climbed on because I was literally that person that everywhere we went, I was like right next to pastor. And I was like, so pastor, are these the steps that Jesus was on? Like, okay, pastor, if we're over here, pastor, is this rock? Like, is this the rock that Jesus sat on? Was this the road that Jesus was on? Is this the tree? Like, did Jesus touch this tree or was it this tree over here? Because I wanted to be where Jesus was. And if Jesus touched the tree, I'm going to touch the tree. I'm going to take a picture of me touching the tree. I'm going to post about how I touched the tree that Jesus touched. I was literally that person 12 days straight. Me and pastor. Pastor was this the spot. And he was so patient and so kind. And yes, indeed, these were indeed the actual steps. It's, it's they're remaining from the original temple that was built. Um, we climbed the steps. And as we climbed, we, we recited the, the, the 15 Psalms of Ascent. And that's a whole other teaching. Ask pastor. If you see him in the hallway, say, Pastor, um, can you tell me the story of the Psalms of the Ascent? It's incredible. That's just a little tidbit information. But we're walking up the steps, and Pastor even gave David and I an opportunity to, to lead worship in that moment and to pray over Westover, to pray over worship, and what it was to enter into his courts with worship. It was incredible. To stand where Jesus stood, to, to sing and to pray, um, everyone was crying. It was this moment that I'll never forget. That's probably why it's the ugly cry face in that picture right there. It's because we should have taken that picture before I sobbed. But it's okay. We'll just, we'll just keep moving on. Um, but we stood on their stairs, and I'll never forget, I heard my pastor teach on what it would have been like to walk up those steps I, he told what it would have been like as they made their way into the outer and the inner courts of the temple. You see, the temple was destroyed not too long after it was built. It was destroyed in 70 AD, and there's only a few parts of it that's remaining. But this is what we know is that the outer courts of the temple is where people would come together and socialize. They would gather together. It's in Westover terms, it's our main entrance. It's our main entrance and lobby, and it just so happens we have a bunch of steps, so it really works for this illustration. But at any given service, before or after any time, you're going to see groups of families, you're going to see friends, you're going to see life groups, and they're all kind of huddled together, and they're talking, they're conversing, they're catching up on life, they're making plans, they're standing around, and perhaps it's this exact kind of space that allows for conversation. 
It's this type of space that allows that you can share with others what God is doing in your life. And instantly it reminded me of the passage in Psalms 100 that says, enter his gates with thanksgiving, enter his courts with praise, give thanks to him and praise his name. You see, when they would climb these southern steps, they would enter through a gate. So they had to climb the steps, they entered into a gate, and then they walked into the courts. They walked into the temple. And I can just imagine what it would have been like for them walking up the steps, similarly to what we do here. And they're looking around at their friends and their neighbors. They're hearing how some of them may have made a far journey. They may have encountered things along the way. They're traveling. Their conversations would have been filled with all the things it took to get there, just to get there. And if you listen, we do the same. It's an opportunity where we talk about what's going on in our lives from day to day. They came together. They were giving thanks to God for everything that he has done. The Bible says they were praising God together. What would it be like if we practiced that here at Westover? In Westover language, if we entered his main entrance steps with thanksgiving and into his auditorium with praise. I want Westover to be a community of people that when we walk up and down our hallways, when you talk to someone in our entrances, when you talk to someone in our foyers, you can't help but be bombarded with the goodness and the grace of God and what God is doing in people's lives. Amen? You see, corporate worship is an opportunity to create family vibes because corporate worship creates community. It brings us together. And I love that. I look forward to that. I look forward to every time of that coming together. And I want you to hear this, and I want you to hear my heart about something. It's the actually coming. It's the actually attending, the actually sitting in service together. It's something that cannot be replicated through a podcast or through a YouTube video. Community cannot be replaced by social media because while social media is a phenomenal form of communication, it does not foster authentic community. And if you don't believe me, you can look at the staggering and devastating and alarming stats of depression and loneliness among our students because you would see that the most connected group of people are actually starving for community because community only happens when we come together. At Westover, we say this. We say that growth happens in groups. And corporate worship, when we come together these multiple times a week, it's what's allowing us the opportunity to set aside our to-dos and to connect face to face. It's almost a lost art of connecting face to face. It's, I'll, I, I'll message you, I'll text you, I'll, you know, I'll share this video with you, but there's something about the community we build when we actually come together. And I love that we see that displayed in the early church. They purposefully created a time where they came together and they built relationship. And if we too choose, we can have that in our own lives. The second thing I noticed in this passage is in regards to worship is that worship, worshiping together unifies us. Verse 44 says, all the believers were together and had everything in common. I like to think that they had a common goal, that they had a common experience, that they had a common interest, they had a common why. And the why was entering into God's presence. They had a why they went to the temple. They went to the temple to meet with God. And when we come together, praising God, something powerful happens. At Westover, you'll hear this a lot because we say it a lot. And we say it a lot because we believe it. It's one of our core values. At Westover, we are better. Exactly. There's something, there's something about 
personal worship and there's something about corporate worship. I'm a worship pastor. My husband's a worship pastor. We are inundated with worship all the time. We listen to worship in the car, in our home, at work, in meetings. Like, we are constantly having that time of worship, but it doesn't replace my personal worship. And my personal worship doesn't replace my corporate worship. Both are good and both are needed. This is what I want you to hear, is that there's something powerful when we come together and we're unified as a community of believers and we're shouting with one voice the praises of God. The praises of God. Several weeks ago, Pastor Jim shared um, one of my favorite messages I've heard. It's, it was called Free Refills. And he was just starting um, one of his new series. It was on worship. I believe he did it back in July. If you haven't heard it, download the Westover app. Add this to your to-do list. So first, you have to talk about the Southern Steps and the Psalms of the Ascent. Then you need to go listen to Free Refills. It was a phenomenal message. Um, and he said a statement. And I remember instantly, like, typing it in my notes. I would say write it down, but I don't write anything. I was typing it in my notes, and it was this. It says, I can pray for you, but I can't praise for you. Because my worship, my song, Lindsay's voice unto the Lord isn't what's going to help your heart and your situation. Because there's a difference between you being blessed by my worship and you experiencing worship for yourself. At Westover, we need to be a community of believers that experience worship for ourselves. That we're no longer going to be spectators that just sit on the sidelines. Because it's easy. It's easy sometimes when you just don't feel like it. To just, oh, I'll just stand there. Okay, song's almost over. I think she's almost done. Okay, time, okay, share a smile, great, my turn to sit down, right? And it's easy to be a spectator, but when we come together unified with the common goal and everyone doing their part, and this too, a worship pastor, reminds me of harmony. And if you've never heard of this term, what harmony is, is when a bunch of vocalists all sing a different note, but every note complements each other, right? But to make it work, everyone has to do their part, right? And so that's how it works is we all do our part. And when we put it together, powerful things happen. Harmony is when you build the song. You'll hear it. The voices come in and it sounds a little bit fuller. It sounds a little bit thicker. Harmony builds. Harmony adds dynamic. Harmony makes the song better. It makes it sound richer. And worship is more than just musical harmony. If you take a listen, it's spiritual harmony. When our hearts are aligned, when we come together with one common goal, which is to meet with God, we're lifting up the name of Jesus, powerful things happen. When everyone does their part, it builds. It does something. It makes the moment richer. It makes the moment better. It activates our faith. It compounds our resolve. And it reminds us that we are not alone because we don't have to live life alone. Okay, for my non-musical people, this is your moment, okay? That was the music experience, the music example. This is a non-musical example. It reminds me of math, okay? I know it's kind of crazy, music and math, but I love math. Math was my favorite subject in school. How many, like, math nerds are out there? Like, you loved math. Math was your subject. That was me. Biology, not so much. I, math made sense. Math just makes sense to me. Biology, 
like literally a waste of a year of my life. I can never get it back, and I'll never forget the nine weeks we spent on the anatomy of a frog. And I remember my teacher telling me how important it was going to be. I, I literally, like, if I could go back in time, I would tell her, like, listen, Linda, in the 25 plus a few years of my entire life, I've never once needed to access the recesses, like way back, way, 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 way back to the anatomy of a frog. Like, I want my nine weeks back. I want my nine weeks back. I did not need to know that. But math, math, that was my thing. Straight A's, baby. Biology, not so much. But math, math that makes sense. And I want to talk to you about multiplication, and not just multiplication. I want to talk about exponents. And just a basic recap of some middle school math, an exponent of a number says how many times you use the number in multiplication. Acts 2.47 says, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. What happens when you start adding exponents to the equation? I can tell you what happens. It gets bigger faster. And that's the same thing that we see when we use the word exponentially. It's the same type of word. It means to increase, to become bigger faster. And that's the church. That's what Acts 2.47 says. God was daily, daily adding to them. And that's what happens when we come together. Unified, lifting up the name of Jesus, our faith, our sound, it increases exponentially because we aren't alone. We don't have to live in f alone. We know that we're in a fight. The, we all know that the world is no respecter of believer or unbeliever. Just because I have a hope in Jesus doesn't mean I get my way all the time. Just because I have hope in Jesus doesn't mean that life works for me. Sometimes it doesn't. It doesn't mean I'm not going to have any struggles, but it does mean that I don't have to fight alone. The Bible actually encourages me not to fight alone. Ecclesiastes 4.9 says, Two people are better off than one, for they can help the other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out to help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. It goes on to say in verse 12, A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better. Shout out to life groups. For a triple braided cord is not easily broken. And I want to encourage you this today. If you're walking through something and it may be hard it may be hard conversations that you're getting ready to have it may be it may be personalities or work drama or family drama or medical issues or maybe you just feel lonely or you feel a little depressed or anxious or stress of raising a toddler or stress of raising a teenager the list could go on and on but I encourage you don't be a spectator don't be a spectator it's easy to go through the motions it's easy to allow this moment to be another checklist but we need to be faith-filled people that, one, come together, two, have something in common, and passionately pursue the presence of God. We're not going to be Westover, or spectators anymore here at Westover. We're going to be a part of what God is doing. Amen? Amen? Because I know this. This is what I do know, that worship changes our perspective. So you may be facing all of those things, but worship changes our perspective. It shifts our focus from the situation to the solution. The Bible says that all the believers were together. They had everything in common. They had a common goal. They had one reason to go, and that was to meet with Jesus. Amen? Have you ever been a part of a service where a certain song comes on or there's a moment in the song where the energy in the room literally goes from here to here? 
and it literally feels like you're sitting in the middle of a Super Bowl halftime show, and by the time you leave this place so fired up, you've done a complete 180 from the way you drove in there, and I've been there. I've been there. In fact, I've stood right here. I've stood in this very spot when something like that happens, and, and in those moments, it, sometimes I have to pull out my in-ears because I can hear a voice, and it goes from being multiple voices to one voice, and I begin to hear that voice rise. I begin to see faith arise in this place, and in that moment, I have to take out my ears because I want to be a part. I want to hear the sound of your worship, and it only happens when we come together. It only happens when we're unified. It only happens whenever everyone is passionately pursuing the Holy Spirit, when we're all seeking after the presence of God, and I want to be a part of it. It's because when I stand here and I see that happen, when I see that shift, when I feel that in the Spirit and I take out my ears and I have to listen, I know that that is the moment that we're unified in worship. I know that that is the moment that someone's worship is fighting on behalf of someone else. I know that that is the moment when someone is bringing a sacrifice of praise that says, God, I don't feel like it. God, everything within me hurts. It hurts to stand here and say that I trust you, but I'm gonna choose to trust you. I know that it's in that moment, it's in that moment that someone is lifting up a sacrifice of praise. That they say, God, even though my life is not good, you are still good. Our worship unifies us with one common goal, to join with the angels and say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Amen. Amen. My final point tonight, and this is where we're going to wrap it up, is that worshiping together echoes God's goodness and grace to others. Verse 47 says this, they were praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. You know, in studying this passage of scripture, I was with a friend of mine and we were going through the original text and, and, and in looking at it, the word enjoying is actually the same word where we get our word echo. In the original text, when you read it, 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 it says something like this. They were coming together, praising God, echoing the favor, and when you break it down even more, the honor, the blessings, the goodness, and the grace of God in their lives. Because they understood then what we understand now, that worship is all about him. That worship has always been all about him. That worship will continue to remain all about him. It's not about us. Worship is not a moment for me to come in and feel good. Sometimes that's the byproduct of. But the reason we come into worship is to declare that no matter what, God is God and God is good. And that is why we worship. Amen? <laughs> worship is an opportunity where we can set aside life and simply focus on Jesus. Worship is not about us. It's all about him. And they understood it. They came together. They had a common goal. And they lifted up the name of Jesus and their faith and their sound began to increase. And when we do the same, it begins to increase exponentially. And it's that sound, it's that sound that echoes the goodness of God. It's that sound that says, no matter what, you are still good. And I've had to learn this. I've had to learn this because I, I, I lead worship no matter what's going on in my life. I come in and I worship and I've had to learn that when life is hard, I want to praise him through my pain. I would rather praise him through my pain than complain in my pain. Because I've come to understand that worship may not change your circumstance, but it'll change you. There's been times where I've had to hit those platform stairs and I've had to say, God, even though it hurts, 
You are good because I have come to learn and I have come to understand that worship may not change my situation. Worship might not change what I'm walking through, but worship will change me if I let it. That it will shift my focus from my pain to the Prince of Peace. It will change from what I'm looking at to the solution for my problems. When you look around the room and you see people praising through their pain, it does something. I've had the privilege of standing here and, 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 and I basically have the best seat in the house. I'm just going to be honest. Like I have a front row seat to worship 52 weekends a year, multiple times a week. And I get to see what God is doing here at Westover. And we've been here for almost three years. And I've gotten to know some of you through our time. And, and I've loved to see your journey. And I've loved to hear your stories. Our stories kind of give us insight to our real life. It's the behind-the-scenes version. Or when I was growing up, it was the E! True Hollywood story version of life. It's, it's the life we don't often see cropped and filtered and perfectly captured on Instagram. It's the real life. It's the, you see the cute kids and you see the smiling faces, but what you don't see is the mom behind the camera threatening them, smile right now and take this picture. And then she posts something like, oh, they're the air I breathe. It's, it's kind of something like that. <laughs> but, but we all have a behind the scenes version. We all have a real story. And our story tells a story. You see, my story tells a story of redemption that says if it wasn't for Jesus. Some stories tell the story of grace that say time after time, his grace has been sufficient. Our stories tell the story of a hope of our making great moment that says, I can have a hope for a bright tomorrow, and it's because of Jesus. Our stories tell a story of triumph. We all have a real story. In Luke 7, it tells a story of a sinful and immoral woman, and the NIV was really nice. That's, there's other names for what she was. Let's just say she had a night job. And um, she made her way to the home of a Pharisee where Jesus was eating dinner. She arrived late, and when she got there, it was all she could do to push past the people. And the Bible says that, that she knelt at the feet of Jesus. And out of her cloak, she pulled out a jar, and it was filled with an expensive perfume. And she began to break it and pour it over Jesus' feet. And caught up in the moment as she's kneeling at the feet of the Savior, she began to weep. And as she began to weep, she began to wash his feet. She took the perfume that cost everything to her. She took her tears that meant so much. And in that moment, she began to wash the feet of Jesus. And then she knelt down and with all that she had, she began to take her hair and wash his feet and dry it. She had a past, she had a story, she had a reputation. She had experienced the pains of gossip, but it didn't stop her from her worship. She poured all that she had in a single act. We have a past. We have a story. We've experienced the pain of gossip at times. And like the woman of Luke 7, we've all made mistakes that we wish we could erase. She took all that she had. She pushed past the people judging her and she made her way to Jesus. She gave everything that she had. So I want to ask you today, what's your story? Like I've said, over the years, I've got to know some of you and We've sat over coffee or over lunch or you may have sat in my living room and you've told me your story and it's your stories that proved to me that you kept going. It's your stories that proved to me that you're continuing to echo God's goodness in your life. And I look around this room and, and I see stories of families that have lost their kids. 
Their kids may have passed away at an early age, and when I see them worshiping with everything that they have, they're echoing God's goodness to say, even in the middle of my most unimaginable, like tragic, most painful moment, God, you are good. I look around this room and I see the stories of women, and we've sat together and you've had coffee with me and you've shared how your home was torn apart by betrayal and deceit. And when I see you walk into this place and I see you worshiping, when I know that your heart is broken and you say, God, even though I don't know what it is to fully trust, I'm gonna choose to trust in you. I can look around the room and I remember some conversations that I've had with some young adults about how anxiety has just completely crippled their life. Going to school is such a challenge. Coming into an auditorium full of people can sometimes feel like a battle. It takes everything out of you and it's a struggle just to show up every day, maybe to school, maybe to work, maybe just to make dinner at night. And you fight your way to the front and you worship God with an unabandoned, reckless heart and it echoes to me. And it reminds me that even in the middle of what feels like a fight, even when it hurts, you're willing to make your way to the front because you're passionately pursuing the presence of God and it's always worth the fight. You see, when you know someone's story, their praise looks a little bit different. If you would, would you please stand at this time? We've intentionally set aside a few moments at the end of, of tonight to, to have a moment where we can lift up our voices together. And we all have a story. Where you sit tonight, where you stand right now, you're in the middle of your story. And we go from chapter to chapter and some are better than others. But even in the middle of the story, I believe that God tonight deserves our praise, amen? No matter what your story may look like, tonight is a night where we're going to, as a group of believers, come together with one common goal. We're gonna lift up the name of Jesus and we're gonna echo out loud that God is good. And I encourage you, tonight is your night. We've gathered together, you've already made it. You've already done the hard part. You've made it through the week, you're here. We have a common goal that we are not gonna be spectators anymore, but we are gonna be a people that passionately pursue the presence of God. We're gonna allow this moment to echo the presence of God, to echo God's goodness. And so this is your moment, Westover. These altars are open and we're gonna passionately pursue what God has because no matter what we face, God is good, amen?